Hello, you are listening to the ESG Fitness Podcast with me, ESG Fitness. <laughs> what? Did, was that a better intro? So professional now. Today I want to talk about that statistic, you know, the one that says 95% of diets fail. It's actually quite hard to find a source for that statistic. And I'm not saying that it's wrong and unfortunately most people do regain the weight that they lose on a diet after the diet but people usually hear this statistic or newspapers write about this statistic as a way to prove that diets don't work and what is usually the case is that the diet has failed someone not that they haven't failed the diet So I think often people try a diet, it doesn't work, and they internalise that failure. And that obviously leads to them potentially going into the next diet that they try with almost like this belief that it won't work anyway, which is then enforced by messages like 95% of diets fail, which I think is at best an unuseful message and at worst a really freaking dangerous message. It's actually laughable that we attribute the failure of of dieting or of a diet to an individual when it is quite clearly the god-awful piece of shit diet that they've been trying to stick to which is completely unrealistic and these kind of messages like that most diets fail or 95% of diets fail of course they make people think well why bother trying And then you're coming in with this negative mindset of it's not going to work anyway. And you never fully invest in it because you always think, well, I know that it's not going to work. I've tried dieting before. It didn't work then. Why would it work now? Oh, and also it doesn't work for 95% of people. Why would I be the 5% that it does work for? And then unfortunately for a lot of people, that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So as a personal trainer who's trying to help people lose body fat in some situations you're already starting on a back foot. Like messages like that certainly make you, well, certainly make your client feel like, why bother trying? It's not gonna work. And although saying that, I'm just thinking about this from my own perspective and I'm weirdly competitive with myself. So if I knew that 95% of people didn't achieve something, then I would probably be more motivated to do it. Whereas if I knew that 95% of people did achieve something, I'd be like, nah, it's not, it's not as interesting to me. But anyway, that's a complete aside. <laughs> really actually goes against the point I was trying to make. Hmm, could I edit that out? Yes, but I'm not going to. The other important point is that people need to remember that they are not averages. So even if 95% of diets did fail and and that was a true statistic and I don't know really where it's come from. So, but hey, hey, let's say it is true. You're not an average. You don't have to be in that 95%. And I know that might seem like the odds are really stacked against you. But to be fair, if you're here and listening to this podcast, the odds certainly aren't stacked against you because you're at 
the right side of approaches to dieting that actually work and enable you to lose weight and then maintain that weight. Because what these what that stats mean and that 95% of diets fail isn't that 95% of diets don't cause weight loss. It's that people then regain that weight loss so they can't maintain it. And I talk about this quite a lot. So anyone who does often listen to the podcast would be like, yes, we know, Emma. But the definition of a successful diet is maintaining weight loss. Just just want to put that out there again. The definition of a successful diet is maintaining weight loss. Not how much weight you lost in six weeks, but if you can maintain that six months later, a year later. Plus, when we're talking about averages, here's something that might resonate with you if you're still like, yeah, but on average, blah, blah, blah. Okay. If Jeff Bezos, Bezos? Is that how you say it? Anyway, if he walks into a room so the guy that owns Amazon, on average, in most rooms, unless there's a lot of people in that room, everyone is a billionaire. But quite clearly, that doesn't quite hold true. And that's kind of how science works as well. So we take the average outcome, because we think that's how most people will respond. And it's a very useful thing to do. But it does mean that we're not looking at individual responses obviously we're looking at the average of how most people respond and that means that sometimes we miss out huge outliers so for example if if i had two people and put them on a diet let's say one person was doing commit to six lost 10 kilograms and maintained it the other person was doing some shitty fad diet and actually lost some weight but then let's say they lost 10 kilograms as well but then they actually gained that weight back And then they gained 10 kilograms more within the year because they rebounded, which isn't uncommon. It would look like, on average, the results of diets had no effect whatsoever because you've got one person who lost 10 kilograms, maintained it, one person who gained 10 kilograms over the year. And then on average, that would be zero. So it looks like there was no effect. And this is why it's important to look at the individual responses as well. So one of the other reasons that this stat is horseshit is because it lumps all diets together. If you looked at the results from my coaching programs, you're more likely to see a result like 95% of diets do work because we actually focus on helping people maintain those results and educating them. And on average, most diets fail because most diets are shit. Most diets don't have any aftercare. Don't have any aftercare. Most diets don't have any aftercare. There's no emphasis on maintaining fat loss. And they're meant to be short-lived and over-restrictive. Like nobody has the six-week plans that, yeah, you might shred really quickly, but then there's no, and then what? It's always like, oh, it's X weeks long. And even when you speak to someone else and like, oh, I'm on a diet. And then someone pops up and says, oh, how long is the diet? It's the rest of my damn life, Mildred. I plan to lose this weight and then keep it off. And for sure, the numbers might change, e.g. your calorie allowance might change or the amount that you're going to eat might change. 
but the habits stay the same. Like this is, as much as it cringes me out sometimes and people, it's a lifestyle change, but it is, or at least it is if you actually want to maintain those results. And just thinking on this note, I've actually been really impressed recently with the amount of people that I speak to about joining Commit 6 or the EC method and either before they sign up or within the first couple of weeks, they ask about what happens after. They're like, oh, but what about after the six weeks? What about after the eight weeks? Like, what what then? And obviously, <laughs> I have, I have um, a continuation program because maintenance is key. And the support that got you fat loss is probably the same support that you're going to need to maintain the fat loss. Whereas most of these commercially available diets teach you nothing. They're a one size fits all. They don't consider your likes, your dislikes, your social life, your family life, your exercise, what you enjoy doing. If you also like running, if you need to fuel these workouts. Oh, I actually get annoyed just thinking about it because obviously we know that everyone is exactly the same, has the same likes and the same approach will work for everyone. Yes. And before Amanda in the office tells you how Juice Plus has worked for her and she's lost six pounds that she then put back on, a diet doesn't work if A, it's not maintainable or B, it makes you feel like absolute hell when you are on it. If you cannot wait to finish your diet, then you're doing it wrong and you need to go to esgfitness.co.uk and talk to me. Most people think of dieting as suffering, as over-restrictive, as an awful experience. Let me change your mind. However, I've spoken a bit about like how shit diets are to blame, but we're also to blame for being attracted to those shit diets because most of these offer, you know, a quick fix and no one likes to put in the long haul effort, even though that's what pays. And this is true in like, not just in fitness, but, and in fat loss, But in most things in life, like even if you look at investments, you can usually double your investment in 10 years, given that the stock market increases by 7 to 8% a year on average, and you've got a diverse portfolio, not too risky, not too low risk. I'm sure you could get better returns than that, but that's like a pretty uh, good return and one that's very much achievable, I would say. By the way... (laughs) I don't know very much about investments as you can probably tell so don't quote me on this but and you also need to and this this is like the kicker here you also need to be happy to not touch that money for 10 years so you need to wait for 10 years but if you're willing to wait you could in that theory of that you can uh, double your investment in 10 years if you invested five thousand pounds when you were 20 that means £10,000 when you're 30, that would turn into £20,000 when you're 40, and at 50, that would be £40,000. And by the time you retire at 60, that's £80,000 from an initial £5,000 investment. And yet, 
no one's really interested in that because it seems so far in the future or because they want the they want that 80 grand now like if you told someone that they could have it now they'd be absolutely willing to invest it if they could get a return quickly but that isn't how it works and it's kind of similar in fat loss it's like I'll have clients who complain that they're losing quote-unquote only a pound a week or even like only half a pound a week if you lose a pound a week for a year that's 52 pounds over the year if you lose half a pound a year sorry if you lose half a pound okay to be fair half a pound a year would be quite slow fat loss (laughs) if you lose half a pound a month why am I still talking if you lose half a pound a week sorry that's still 26 pounds a year that's massive over the year and I'm sure no one would turn their nose up at that but what will probably be more likely to happen is you do some stints of losing I don't know eight pounds and then regaining half of it and then losing a little bit more but then regaining it again if you could just be consistent and and be in it for the long haul and not and it comes back to not wishing your time away on a diet like that's why the diet has to be enjoyable so that you're not like oh I can't wait to the end of this six weeks till the diet's over okay I mean that mindset means that you're definitely going to regain the weight so I think part of the problem and part of the reason that diets don't work in general is our mindset towards diets of this is a short-term thing it's you know it's x amount of time I'm going to lose x amount I don't mind being over restricted for this amount of time because afterwards I'm going to go back to eating normally basically I'm going to go back to all the ways that I was behaving and eating that made me put on this weight which makes absolutely no sense impatience really holds us back and it just there is no logic to it because the fact that something is going to take us a long time means that we delay it (laughs) like it should be the exact opposite but most people like most people would wish they could go back to 20 years old and invest five thousand pounds because they know that the return on interest in that is going to be great when they're I mean, even now, depending on what age you are, imagine if you had invested that money then, what it would look like now, especially if you're listening and you're 60-odd. But somewhat paradoxically, knowing that something is going to take a long time means that we just delay it, apparently. And I think even just identifying that, like with a lot of these things, and over the past, I don't know, month or so, probably noticed that I've spoken a lot more about mindset's not quite the right word but like how we think and like our thought processes that's it thought processes and sometimes like the next logical question is like oh so so what do I do about that basically acknowledging it is is all you need to do like when you acknowledge these things like I acknowledge why I'm procrastinating why I'm putting off certain tasks why I haven't started something like realizing that you fall into these like really common uh, thought processes or like human behavior traits that's enough because then you're aware of it and you can change it if you choose to change it but that part is on you like I can't do that part for you so in this example knowing that something is going to take a long time means that you should have started yesterday 
but you haven't. So the second best time to start is today. So if you're putting something off because of the time it's gonna take to get to your end goal, start today. If you've been delaying like fat loss or fitness goals for a long time, then sometimes something that can be like annoying but also motivating is just considering where you would be now if you'd started when you first thought about starting. And the final point I wanna make about why diets fail is lack of education. The things that you learn on Commit to Six, not just about nutrition and exercise, but about mindset, human behavior, like kind of just what I was just talking about, different thought processes, why we self-sabotage, how to identify when we're doing that and how to change that. Those are skills that you can use for life and not just within fitness, like most of these translate out with fitness and they'll impact your whole life. And what you learn in six weeks, you can apply for the rest of your life. Most people who are serious about maintaining their results stay on because they realize that the previous diets they did haven't worked because they only did them for a short period of time and it's the maintenance that matters and that after that realization, this time is gonna be different. But equally, I have some people who do the six weeks, really take on the information they've got and use it for the rest of their lives, which again, is amazing. But a lot of people, and myself included, need that accountability, support. And sometimes it's honestly not a need, it's just a want. Like, you can just want something. And I think that's true for a lot of people who are on the committed program, so the continuation program from Commit to Six. A lot of them don't need me anymore, but they just want to stay. (laughs) And why would you want to leave, realistically? I mean, this actually uh, isn't, none of what I've just spoken about is really what I was wanting to talk about today. Because what I really wanted to talk about today is the other reason that diets fail. And that is because I believe that we're approaching this all wrong. And I really want to take a stance of fitness first. And part of this was because I was doing a little bit of research and I found a really cool graph. I love a graph. And I realized this this is in fact a podcast. So I will post this graph on Instagram and I'll put it on my website as well actually um oh I think it's actually already on my website hey guys I wrote an article I know (laughs) who dis but I just thought I had a little bit too much to say to put it in an Instagram post and I thought not everyone likes listening to my voice so I also wrote an article and it's on my website so you can go and have a look But it's generally kind of around this, but more about the impact of muscle on health and physical activity and health. But anyway, this this graph was really cool because it shows an estimate of the number of deaths that would have been avoided had a certain risk factor been absent. And the risk factors were being overweight or obese, diabetes, high cholesterol, smoking, hypertension and low fitness. 
And you know what was the most impactful? Low fitness. But yet we focus on, we are so obsessed with focusing on BMI or how much fat we're storing. I mean, I was quite surprised that even smoking wasn't, you know, like the, it was about double. You need to go and look at this graph, by the way. It's quite cool. But the impact of low fitness levels was double the impact of smoking. Kind of crazy. And I think it really nicely highlights that, yes, storing too much body fat can increase your risk of some pretty nasty health outcomes. And I mean, in this, it does increase your risk of dying, i.e. less people would have died if they were not obese. So yes, we should try and avoid that. However, and I would say it's, I'm just looking at the graph here, but it's like less than a quarter of the amount of lives that would have been saved had they not had low fitness levels. And I actually think it's quite a good graph to show like the whole anti-diet slash diet culture debate and obviously they're two ends of the spectrum um one saying that no one should ever diet and that body fat has no impact on health and the other saying well the other being awful diet culture where essentially you're saying fat is the only thing you know, fat is always bad and it's the only thing that matters and obviously neither is true and I think this graph really nicely shows where I sit because <laughs> I'm like yeah being obese is a risk factor like it's not a good thing it's not a good place to be we should try and avoid that but what's even more important is being physically fit and the graph kind of beautifully honestly like this is a beautiful graph it kind of just really beautifully shows where we should be focusing our efforts so there should be effort focused on fat loss in certain individuals but the F, the real effort should be on physical activity levels. It goes without saying that this isn't a false dichotomy and I think that's what, what annoys me when people look at things like this. Like I could quite easily see the anti-diet crowd be like, look, this shows that it's not that important. When actually, no, it doesn't show that. It shows that it is very important, but actually what's even more important is physical activity and fitness levels. So obviously both matter and I don't like this whole like false dichotomy like oh, what's more important exercise or how much body fat you store stupid question both matter but I think it's so useful in many many ways to focus on fitness not fatness and we certainly at the moment sway way too much towards obsessing over the amount of fat we store or how heavy we are or our BMI. And I don't think it's just diet culture that's to blame for this. For example, when did your doctor last check your fitness levels as opposed to your BMI? Like, they don't. That's what we should be looking at. And I will probably never tire of talking about why we should be focusing on getting people fit. And that's because not only is it more impactful in terms of saving lives and preventing deaths that could be you know premature deaths that could be prevented 
it's so much more empowering to focus on building muscle, fitness, the amazing things that your body can do rather than just focusing on weight loss. And I know that not everyone enjoys exercise, at least to start with, but part of that is finding something you enjoy. And that means giving it a real go. And in all honesty, you probably won't like the gym the first time that you go. And I've worked with some very overweight clients who actually, I'll be totally honest, exercise is not enjoyable for them because movement isn't particularly enjoyable for them. But as they start losing the weight, as they start seeing results, as it becomes easier to move, then they start enjoying it. Go to the gym. If you don't like the gym, go to the gym. I mean, sorry guys, we're in a pandemic, but when it opens, and you don't, this doesn't need to be the gym, but I'm just using it as an example because I think a lot of people get intimidated by the gym. If you go for a month consistently, let's say three times a week, tell me you aren't getting some serious satisfaction from that, even if you're not enjoying it. And then that satisfaction becomes the enjoyment. And then you start getting good at something in the gym. You start seeing progress. You start feeling more at home there as well. And you realize that actually no one is judging you and everyone is really happy that you're here. Like that's what the gym's about. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're first time there or it doesn't matter if you've got 100 kilograms of fat to lose or if you're the really lean bodybuilder in the other end of the gym. Like there is a mutual respect there. And if anything, you probably have way more respect from people in the gym for going there. And you have just as much right to be there as anyone else. But once you've been going for a month and you start getting good at things, you start seeing results, you will start enjoying it. And I think one of the reasons that people give up on exercise is because they go like once or twice and they're like, I don't enjoy it, I don't wanna go again. Give it a go give it a go for a month or try other things maybe it is that you you just will never enjoy the gym okay maybe you really like being outside what can you do outside like can you go for runs instead maybe you want to do home workouts maybe you want to go to zumba or yoga or you prefer classes or you like having a personal trainer because actually you don't enjoy exercise but they're great chat (laughs) And you don't mind getting it done as long as you're a bit distracted and they can distract you a little bit. Like I think sometimes as as personal trainers, we we don't realize that that can be really important as well. And I know that sometimes, and I've been in this position before, I'll be like, oh, that does kind of diminish what I do. Like, I'm not sure I spent this long at uni and all these hours and experience and CPD courses and like my expertise to essentially entertain you while you're exercising but if you look at it from like an individual's perspective and getting your client the best results possible sometimes that is part of your job entertain them while they're exercising so they actually get it done and if you need motivation to do that then the motivation is that you are massively benefiting them in terms of their health if they weren't going to exercise if you weren't there and you can get them to exercise because you're there That's a pretty good job. And then here is kind of the secret of focusing on fitness, not fatness. So not only is building muscle extremely important for health, and if you want any more information on that, do go and read the article on my website. 
Plus, it is extremely empowering, I think. It, especially when you're comparing it to dieting, which tends to be, although it doesn't have to be when it's done right, but pretty unempowering or like restrictive. It doesn't feel very empowering in the same way that building muscle does. And then what happens is that exercise makes you feel good. So not just on like a satisfaction level and not even if you, not even just because you enjoy it or maybe maybe you still don't enjoy it at this point, but it does on a physiological level make you feel good. It quite literally releases chemicals that make you feel good. And then when you feel good and you feel like you're improving your health, guess what happens? you optionally make healthier food choices. Not because you're being forced into dieting, but because you want to. And when you start appreciating your body for the amazing things it can do, rather than punishing it by over-restricting it and shame-driven dieting, you start to choose to fuel it with healthy, nutritious foods. And when you're choosing to do that, that is when the magic, the magic. (laughs) Oh, I was on a roll. I feel like that was quite an empowering. When you're choosing to make good choices, that's when the magic happens. And that's when it becomes a lifestyle change. And that's when it becomes maintainable. And that is how you beat the stat of 95% of diets fail. There you go. That's today's podcast. I hope you have enjoyed this. If you have enjoyed it, please do share it. I love seeing it on your stories. I love reading your reviews. I actually, for a really long time, didn't read the reviews because I thought (laughs) if I read really negative reviews, uh, I just felt like I didn't have a thick enough skin to deal with that and I might stop doing the podcast I just didn't read the reviews but they're so nice (laughs) thank you so much Uh, uh, but I really did avoid them for a really long time even though I could see that most of them were five stars I was like don't think I could take a lot of negativity about the podcast I feel like it's quite personal how strange anyway if you've enjoyed the podcast please do rate it review it and share it on Instagram that would be amazing it's at ESG fitness if you don't follow me already please give me a follow and the new commit to six intake is live which means you can now sign up at esgfitness.co.uk forward slash commit to six 